Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. Resident Evil, open parentheses, political, close parentheses, damnation. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Horror Vanguard, affiliated for, to the committee for the Fourth International. We are here <laughs> continuing... <laughs> Continuing our exploration, our deep dive into the Resident Evil franchise, and you thought we were done, but oh no, as we discovered last time, there are three Resident Evil animated feature films, um, and we are going to talk about all of them. Uh, I'm John, joined as always by my good friend and co-ghost, Ash. Ash, how are you doing? Um, well, thank you. Thank you for giving uh, the mic to me, the delegate from Raccoon City, uh, here to discuss <laughs> the fall of the former Soviet Union through the medium of uh, animated bioweapons zombie fiction. Uh, yep. Um, but before that, there is one item that is slightly higher up on the committee's agenda, and that is a quick word from our sponsors. This program was made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Go to patreon.com slash horrorvanguard and get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive content. Thank you. You'll forgive me if I don't stay around to watch. I just can't cope with freaky stuff. So we, we have to get the opening of this movie out of the way, like immediately, because I'm still not like I'm still in the moment of seeing it. It's been like two days now, and it's still like I still feel like I'm sitting there watching it and my jaw is on the floor and like I'm I'm seeing the full arc of time before me and, and the procession of all existence and, and the glorious hum of reality what it is, happened? I, <laughs> I we have we have we have been through it um, on on this week's episode. Okay, maybe maybe the th- maybe the best way of kind of trying to get people into our our mental space here, Ash. Can you just explain precisely how this film opens? So I have I have a slightly like cowboy attitude to our particular form of movie criticism because because usually it's like all right Beetlejuice make my day let's find out what kind of political theoretical discourse we can get out of you and and there's there's like there's usually a tangle there's a dance right there there's 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 an approach to the text because usually the metaphors aren't readily given up usually we have to dig and twist Resident Evil Damnation literally opens up with a Soviet flag waving proudly and a voiceover that says something to the effect of uh, the the great and wonderful power of the Soviet uh, states lasted for 74 years or something like that. And it's like the movie opens up with a three minute tearful farewell to the USSR and all of these Soviet states that it supported. 
in the start uh, it, of the Resident Evil movie. It's like, you know, we, we are not dogmatic, right, on this show. We, we don't, we don't uh, really go into that whole thing of, like, tendency. And we, we firmly believe that any and all art is useful and valuable for kind of furthering a leftist critique and political project. But let's be honest, there are kind of artists and filmmakers who more readily fit into a leftist, that they're, they're kind of like on our side, as it were, right? So we would have like people like Eisenstein and we would have the directors of Resident Evil Damnation. <laughs> you, are, you are clearly, you are clearly there uh, to, to educate uh, us on the reasons why the Soviet Union fe- uh, fell uh, and... And most interestingly, the consequences for the fall of the Soviet Union, particularly in former Soviet bloc states, right? Yes. And this is a Resident Evil movie. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I can't stress this enough. This is all happening in a <laughs> Resident Evil animated film. It just and, it, and, it, and there's no there's no like it's it's just the hook. There's no bait. You know, they're they're just jamming this into you. It, it doesn't open it up with like the state of bioweapons terror can be traced to no like it, it establishes the fact that part of the reason why the resident evil universe is this chaotic nightmare of bioweapons terror is because the soviet union fell uh yes absolutely and then it, it, it so it, i think a really important thing to focus on here is that it goes from this kind of homage to to soviet power to a present state of affairs wherein kind of like warring factions of of freedom fighters are are still engaged in revolutionary struggle throughout uh former soviet states like that's that's our setup is trotsky <laughs> I, I i again i i actually think we can't stress this enough this is actually how this film starts like this, um, it, it literally just starts with like a three minute primer on the essentials of Trotsky's takes on the Soviet Union. <laughs> it, it really does. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just sort of still struggling to process it. So we, are, our setting is the the fictional um, Eastern European um, former Soviet bloc state of the Eastern Slav Republic. It breaks away from the Soviet Union in 1991 and declares its independence, welcoming the arms of the West in the form of capitalism. Then the, the, the country falls into uh, massive class stratification uh, and the rise of a new dominant bourgeois class, the, uh, the oligarchs, who essentially run the country at all levels. Um, and, and I just feel like uh, they should just add a little scrolling ticker across the bottom of like, this is what actually happened in the early 90s in, in across a lot of the, the continent. But here's, my, here's the point where I think things it starts to lose its edge because, um, because of the massive cl- class inequality, there is a new revolutionary movement, but they say what they're fighting for is independence. They don't say, they don't admit what they're really fighting for, which is class struggle. And I think this is really important to just kind of put a magnifying glass on for a second. There, so the, in this movie, our characters are uh, Leon S. Kennedy, who works for the United States government until this movie, 
because re- really quickly because the first thing that happens after a three-minute homage to the soviet union's memory <laughs> is leon <laughs> denouncing his american citizenship and going rogue so he can continue <laughs> to fight the spread of bioweapons in in a in a country that the united states doesn't want him messing around with it it's it's the the, the opening 10 minutes literally had my jaw on the floor my mind um, isn't the, it's still exploding <laughs> uh leon is back his hair is just as gorgeous as ever and the s well, that stands for Leon Trotsky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Leon, Leon Socialism Kennedy is in this movie denouncing his United States citizenship <laughs> and joining a uh, insurrectionary movement in a former bloc state. Yeah, but joining a, cad- uh, a cadre of, of revolutionary uh, independence fighters. And I think the thing that's really important to focus on them, too, is how the movie talks about them. Because they don't, yeah. they, they don't have goals, and they don't have politics, right? They're freedom fighters fighting for the freedom that makes them free. Full stop. Yes, absolutely. They they, they don't have a principled agenda or, or a reason to do what they're doing. The, the movie never gives time to hash out why they're against the current government of this state, you know, or what makes that government illegitimate, what makes their uh, government more legitimate. You know, like mm. like they never really like dig into that so it becomes like they have this uh, very ambiguous group of elders that they listen to and were those elders the former heads of this country when it was uh part part of the soviet union were they uh you know like deposed oligarchs before that and now they're trying to emerge again after all of the turmoil like we never really learn the politics behind what they're doing which makes which is so confusing in the rest of this movie that has so much open political discourse that it doesn't give their freedom fighters a reason to fight for freedom. Yes, I think this is exactly what I was trying to get at when I said that they, they, they fight for independence, but the film doesn't admit that really what that means is class struggle because it sets it up that this is the, there is a kind of corrupt uh, bourgeois overclass that controls uh huge swathes of the country's institutions and uh and uh also wants to control its oil revenue mm-hmm. and they're fighting a kind of revolutionary war of of uh, against a class and and I'm sorry I don't like I don't like to brag but once again the theory about zombies being intrinsically linked to shifts in capitalism's mode of production it it's, it continues to win continues to win out <laughs> I, I was right when we talked about this in Train to Busan, and I am still right. <laughs> deeply, deeply unsettlingly right in the case of this movie <laughs> specifically. So that that's that's the framework that we're dealing with here. This is the world that the movie submerges us in within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and now it's our job to kind of frantically swim to the surface and try to make it to shore. Maybe we can carry on going kind of chronologically because Leon um, is kind of captured by um, Sasha and JD, two uh, two of the two two members of this revolutionary cell, and um, uh, they also have an older man called um, Atman with them. Uh, 
and I guess I guess maybe we can talk a little bit about what do we think about these independence fighters, uh, particularly what do we think about their relationship to America? Yes, yes is what we think about these things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Adamon is, uh, as we learned at the end of the film, one of the uh, quote unquote elders who's in charge of this kind of rebellion or resistance movement. Um, and he he's using uh, the Plaga, which is a, uh-huh. a parasitic monster from Resident Evil 4 that appears in later Resident Evil games as well. Um, and in, in one of the things the Plaga can do is like there are mind control variants of it that allow you to control like Plaga underling zombies. Um, so so there you, the, the, the rebellion is using that technology. They're, they're injecting themselves with the Plaga in order to use the mind control powers over liquors and other kind of base zombie units um, as a way to fight their war, because otherwise they're outgunned. So they're kind of using this escalated military technology. Yeah, technologizing and weaponizing the zombies slash the monsters in the fight, in the, in the service of the class struggle. And so JD, I think, is is a really interesting character. So JD is kind of the dunce of this revolutionary group. Um, yeah, he's he's a bit of a meathead, I think, is how I describe his character. And like every other line he has is like, "Whoa, America's so cool!" Like American yeah. cheeseburgers are so cool. Like, like at one point in the movie, he gets shot, and we have this kind of scene where where you're like, you know, there's a bunch of zombies chasing our characters through underground tunnels. And and JD pulls out his gun and he's on the ground and he's breathing heavy and he's like, "Go on without me, continue the fight. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna die now." Yeah, JD is dying, and he, Sa- Sasha's like, "Get up! You're not dead. You're wearing a bulletproof vest. You're fine." And like JD's <laughs> JD's first reaction on not being dead is is just to be like, "Oh, this thing was made in America. No wonder it works great." <laughs> so there's this like, you know, J- JD has this yeah. like fixation with american products and american culture and it's it's so interesting to see like him contrasted with sasha because sasha is like he's ready to die for the cause you know he believes in the the freedom of that that his group is trying to achieve to the point where he will inject himself with the parasite and like essentially like in doing that knowingly take his own life whereas jd is even admittedly he's just kind of there to be with his friends yeah, this is what he said. He was like, I'm, I'm not really a revolutionary. I just wanted to, you know, when you accidentally just want to hang out with the boys, but you get involved in a violent insurrection against the government. <laughs> I, Which does not at all sound familiar for recent American political events. <laughs> I, I, I literally wrote down, um, so I always take notes uh, when, we, when we have a film that we're going to discuss, and I literally just wrote down the phrase, post-communist revolutionary himbo. <laughs> <laughs> that is very accurate because because he's just he's just he's just a a, a sweet lunkhead who, who who accidentally stumbled into like revolutionary communist class struggle <laughs> but but you're right sasha on the other hand um has the discipline of a, of a kind of true revolutionary right he has committed themselves to the event of the struggle to put this in Badu's terms um and that carries that fidelity to the event all the way through to the point of death if necessary because your death would then be a catalyzing force to to carry on the fight 
uh, as the older man actually tells Sasha, because the, the older man, when they find him, is dying, one of these elders. Um, and I want to return to that right at the end when we talk about what happens to Sasha when all of this plays out. But yeah, I, I think it's a real shame that the film didn't didn't have the kind of courage to continue with this idea of like, let's be explicit about what these people are fighting for. Yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I think that's, that's, that's an interesting angle to look at here. And another thing that I find to be interesting is as focused, um, JD and Sasha are very focused on America and American activities. JD yes. is, is very focused on American culture and American products and, and American media, right? He's, he's interested in those things, right? He sees America as a sign of progress and success and stability. Um, Sasha, on the other hand, when he finds out that Leon is an American, he, he wants to interrogate him. You know, he demands to know why America is getting involved in this situation. He is concerned with America as a political body that interferes with global politics. Like as much as these two or as much as this movie is kind of articulating American views of like um, post-Soviet states. Right. You know, like they're they're riddled with like oligarchs and people who want American products but couldn't get them before. And and these kind of like bitter and jaded revolutionary types like those are all common American portrayals of of people in these situations. And like but at the same time, like these two are also articulating like really interesting perspectives on like what the American identity is. Right. Because to J.D. it's cheeseburgers and uh, good old fashioned American ingenuity. But to Sasha, it's it's this demoniacal political machine that spells doom wherever it begins to operate. Yeah, absolutely, and is well is is imperialist. Yes, yes, exactly. However, maybe there is another way of looking at this, and maybe this is a bit of a hot take. But if we if we recuperate Resident Evil: Damnation as an integral leftist text. Maybe in these two figures, in JD and Sasha, we can see a uh, a kind of two sides, two two poles of a necessary dialectical view on American capitalism. So JD sees it as a kind of land of abundance, of plenty, in contrast to the arid, austere, uh, impoverishedness of 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 the Eastern Slab Republic. Sasha sees it as an imperialist uh, threat. Um, maybe. Uh, we can take take a. <clears throat> I'm I'm kind of borrowing here from like Fisher's work on post capitalism. Maybe both is correct, right? It like what it expresses a desire for abundance and pl- and plenty, but also a rejection of the capitalist imperialism that un- underscores it. So, you know, maybe maybe in in both of their attitudes, we can see that there's actually a desire for a, for for a an abundant post. Uh, communism, post-capitalism that doesn't go back to the kind of uh, hardship and stereotypes of Soviet communism. I'm so happy that you just found a dialectical interpretation of these two opposed characters because that (laughs) makes this movie that much more bizarre. Again, Again, this is an animated Resident Evil film about shooting zombies in the head. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> i mean like okay so we've got we've got about 10 minutes left in this mini episode so let's do like let's do speed run movie criticism through the rest of this uh any percent yeah. because there's too much there's there's so much to talk there's about here too uh, much okay what do you want to start with 
Um, let's talk about the NGO complex and the ways in which uh, neoliberal soft power is often exercised through institutions such as the UN, as exemplified in this film through the character of Ada Wong, who is just there to do espionage shit and steal bioweaponry. Yes, and she she enters in to, to this former Soviet state uh, under the guise of being an agent from the UN there to like... She, she's she's essentially like like um a, a a nuclear power inspector person right who's gonna go into this country and just just check up on their bioweapons make sure they're not crossing any lines that would prevent them from entering into the UN right because our our uh, the president of this country her big agenda is to rejoin the United Nations right to to rejoin kind of like quote unquote international society. And Ada is ostensibly there to kind of, you know, help check it out, even though that's a lie. She's there to steal their weapons technology. And that that in and of itself is its own episode. That entire discussion is is a lifetime of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. To kind of understand uh, the idea of the UN and its history and its purpose in founding and how it contrasts with the idea of a... Um, a global post-communist, a post-capitalist uh, civilization, uh, the way in which uh, UN membership, or, or or even worse, the involvement of the IMF, is often a way of extracting wealth out of uh, countries, particularly in Eastern Europe or in the global South. Um, you, it, there's so much that we could talk about there. Yes, let alone the fact that the president of this country is part of some like ultra-secret spy organization that Ada is also a part of. And we're 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 just gonna brush oh, over that okay. because the movie does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, they have like uh, a sexy femme fatale fight, mm -hmm. um, uh, I, and Ada goes, ah, so so you're tra you're a trainer of a uh, trainer as well, and it's like, yep, we're we're just gonna brush past that. It's fine. Let's not worry about it. Yeah, not non-issue, and moving on. <laughs> So what, what what's next on our speed run? What, what's our next boss fight that we have to clip through in order to make it to the end in time? Uh, oh, um, can we talk about the giants? What I assume are Soviet soldiers <laughs> who've been experimenting, like the big, the big leather-clad Soviet zombie soldiers who who uh, punch liquors so hard their heads explode. Yes. So this is this is like a reoccurring bad guy. I think most most popular now, uh, most popularized as Mr. X in the Resident Evil 2 oh, remake okay. and um it's they're effectively just like super powered T-virus zombies and there's like two okay. of them in this movie but they have this kind of like they have a really weird aesthetic that I think like it, it it's got echoes of Rammstein, it's got echoes of this kind of like in in contact with like authoritarian leather fetish style well let's 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 be honest uh late eighties early nineties goth music was huge in East Germany specifically yes. and and the security apparatus of the DDR used to monitor um bands that went out to tour there or people who bought a lot of their music because it was seen as having this connection with something that was ostensibly you know counter-revolutionary or dangerous and these guys look like they've just come from a barhouse gig uh -huh. it's <laughs> um yep yeah, there's definitely a link to like later bands like rammstein 
um uh, and they have a giant fight whilst whilst the te- the terrorists the revolutionaries uh plan is to is to attack the capital uh, specifically the presidential palace um which any good trotskyist would tell you is just political adventurism and without mass working class insurrection they're not going to get very far mm-hmm. uh which is true but they try and get round that by having an army of psychically controlled liquors but then we have this the fight with um with the the, the giant the giant soviet zombies and it's it's kind of amazing <laughs> they they win by blowing one up with a tank it's 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 just incredible it's 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 poetry and and there's this so that that beginning 3 minute clip of the movie kind of describes the rise of the soviet union and then its fall to oligarchical powers right and then and then it's 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 yep. kind of like balanced conflict with the united states yeah uh, Sasha is, I think, a weird microcosm of this, right? Because he is he is attempting to do some kind of populist insurrection for unspecific political goals, right? However, in, instead of like building up a, a a you know a mass line, creating a party, like like building actual worker support, he outsources that labor to bioweapons. He himself becomes the entire collected body necessary to do this by psychically linking himself with liquor zombie monsters. Oh my god, I love this reading so much. And in and, and, and of that, immediate, and is doomed, he's damned to fail because yep. he tried to cheat Absolutely. and he tried to use a capitalistic approach to left politics. Yep, he tried to cheat code the revolution, <laughs> which you can't do. I think... I think though we have to spend a little bit of time on the ending because like if we have been setting up a kind of hopeful narrative you know there's been the fall of the Soviet Union the the great alternative to capitalism there has been its collapse into oligarchy and the absence of any real democratic socialism there has been a kind of heroic revolutionary struggle even if the film is too liberal to kind of actually go no this is a class war um we get to the end because it it looks like Leon socialism is about to get absolutely smushed by this giant Soviet super zombie. Um, when, when suddenly the film takes a really, a really hard right discursive <laughs> turn in, in, into like based American imperialism. Yeah. I think that's a fair way to describe it. <laughs> it is, it is uh, this weird discursive shift because the whole movie up until this point, like it's been, it, it, it's it's politically non-committal, but it's very interested in uh, ideas revolving around the fall of the Soviet Union, right? It's interested in you know the the rise of oligarchical power. It's interested in resisting that. It's interested in these kind of Trotskyist notions. And then at the end of the movie, uh, uh, Sasha's rebellion has failed. Leon is he he's kind of there. Because his he works for the American government, but his mission is to destroy bioweapons, and he will re- go to the point of renouncing his citizenship to complete those goals. Um, so they're both about to be killed, but then like American and Russian fighter planes start strafing the city because they have decided that the president and government of this country is no longer to be respected, right? They're no longer sovereign, and, and America and Russia have teamed up to install a new government. And part of that installation involves saving Leon 
just 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 because because he's the best bioweapons hunter ever and i guess you just gotta save him but like there's there's a scene where like these american fighter planes blow up these like these like giant uh you know like the um rammstein soviet super zombies and like leon leon just kind of remarks like oh i guess i guess america was always watching out for me after all yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's it turns out that his CIA handlers were monitoring him the entire time, and as soon as it looked like he might be in some danger, they decided to um, send in the troops. Um, the president is deposed. The revolutionary movement is crushed. Uh, at the end of the film, they they even go, yep, uh, the US and, and Russia have basically occupied the country, and we know this is a country with massive oil wealth. The ending yes. is, is really bleak. The ending is really bleak. Yes, and then and then the kind of the kind of denouement, right? Like after this, um. So so in in a, in a series of scenes, Leon shoots Sasha in the spine because Sasha's infected with the Plagueis, and the only way to stop it is to shoot it in the spine. Um, is to shoot shoot the infected person in the spine. It'll paralyze them for life, but it will prevent them from turning into kind of a super zombie. Um, Leon then kind of like, we, we get this weird sequence where Leon is ostensibly on some kind of vacation, but he is pounding vodka like a man who's dying. And he, his final comment to us is just kind of like, whatever, like, like he, he muses over the fact that the entire time he's been out there, he's been a pawn to both American and Russian interests, that all of his actions were were predetermined from the start and even though he felt that he was going rogue and and doing what it takes to save the day really he's just getting shuffled in the deck with the rest of the cards yeah it's like the bleakest possible version it's like a post cold war version of the very end of chinatown it's like forget it leon (laughs) it's globalized neoliberal it's it's globalized neoliberalism what are you gonna do there is there is one small beacon of hope though, and I I actually found that scene with Sasha very yeah. moving because the the Plagas, um, you know, it gives you the ability to psychically control monsters, but it's also eventually going to kill you. And Sasha thinks he's dying, and he says, you know, he's got nothing else to live for. Right, the revolution has failed. He his family is dead. His friends are dead, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna blow his brains out because he doesn't want to be a monster. Uh, and and Leon says actually no. And and the phrase that he uses is that you have a responsibility to live, even if you have to do it without any limbs. And it's like there is there is there's something actually uh, you know quite impactful about that. I think, especially directed towards the character in the entire film who's most embodied the idea of a kind of revolutionary commitment. You know, even if it didn't work this time. Even if it failed, even if it cost you everything, you have a responsibility to live to keep going uh, in the kind of revolutionary struggle, even if you have to do it uh, with it, without the, you know, whilst being paralyzed. I think a surprisingly uh, kind of interesting moment from a film that ends so bleakly. <laughs> That's why, like, I think after watching this movie, I, I like, I like, made a joke to you that like the end of the movie is Leon slowly turning into Zizek and winking at the camera and saying "ideology." Uh, I mean, 
the thing is, that's not really a yeah, joke. I mean, that's pretty that's much what that happens. Is basically, <laughs> that is basically what happens. I, I, this is this is this is my favorite film of all the Resident Evil films we've I, watched so far. I gotta I have say, to be honest, yeah, I'm I. Wow, like with the last Resident Evil movie, I I'm still chewing on that one, and now like with this one, like I can't. This is this is the most politically active text we've ever discussed on this show. It is shocking that we have to stop this episode to make sure it stays a mini episode and not a six week long conversation. <laughs> and and you're right. This is one of the most politically engaged texts that we've we've talked about. You know, it covers Trotsky's theories of revolution, post-Cold War uh, revolutionary struggle, the, the the global reach of neoliberal capitalism in all of its institutional forms. And at the same time, this is a Resident Evil film about, about blowing up zombies with tanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and... And I think that is just part of the magic of cinema. <laughs> yes, I I completely agree. This if if you're listening to this episode and you haven't watched this movie yet, just like just treat yourself. It it's on a couple different platforms for free, for rent, and for purchase. And like, my God, this movie doesn't stop. I feel like I feel like I am. I've been injected with the Resident Evil discourse virus, and now I'm going to spend the rest of forever talking about this. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. Ha 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 